We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory Live Edition. Presented by Emprise Bank. With Emprise, you can check your balance as fast as you check the scores. They'll even give you instant replay so you can review the ruling on the field, much like that fumbled punt that the Chiefs benefited from. Emprise Bank, member FDIC, our partners in Possible. Appreciate them and all they've done for KC Sports Network. As we're like six months into this, it's been a lot of fun. And it's been a lot of fun to do this show with my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello. Why are you wearing sleeves today, by the way? It was maybe chilly earlier. Maybe I was doing some laundry right before we jumped on here and I threw the shirt that I had in my hand. I don't know. You can use your imagination for how we got here, but something has happened. The fans on above me, if that makes you feel better. Uh, no Lost November continues, guys. Woo! No mm. Lost November. It's just rolling. This is this this tiny little snowball mm. from taking out the Giants and then now taking out like the c team of the packers is just getting a little bit bigger and bigger as it continues to roll downhill so craig i mean like tell tell us why you're happy about this no loss november so far well i'm happy about this no loss november because there's been a bunch of good defensive performances Mm -hmm. like we can hang our hat on the defense playing well the past two weeks now ignore the other side of the ball taxes defense death (laughs) taxes spags against young quarterbacks that's the way right there no the the defense has played pretty well the past two weeks building some confidence going into a raiders team that looks awful suspect right now we'll get to that later this week but uh that's a you gotta be careful using the word suspect with the raiders right now oh that's a good one nice yeah (laughs) Uh, anyway we should get on to the packers we really should. We need to swiftly move on to the Green Bay Packers. Um, yeah, this was, you know, this is a, it was really nice to see this team pull out this victory. And I said it before November started, before the hashtag no less November started. I really need to see this team string together a lot of wins against fo- good football teams. And, you know, the, the, the Giants win is whatever, you know, escaping by the skin of your teeth. The, the Packers win. Yes, I know. Jordan Love played. And yes, I know Jordan Love stunk. I think Spags deserves a lot of credit still. I know it's really hard to separate, you know, the Jordan Love situation from what we saw defensively. But like, I still think there was a lot of good things to take away and a lot of good performances 
despite who was playing quarterback and it was not Aaron Rodgers, Craig. Yeah, I I really thought that Frank Clark has now strung together, by my count, four straight weeks of really good performances. I think we can officially say this is who Frank's going to be this year yeah. going forward. And that's awesome because he was really good against the Green Bay Packers who have a pretty good offensive line. They seem to always churn out good ones. Even when they're into their backups, they seem to always have good performances. Frank Clark looked good. Chris Jones also looked really good. Both of those players played more than the Chiefs slot cornerback. That doesn't happen. They typically rotate those guys wholesale along the defensive line. So the fact that Chris Jones and Frank Clark were still rushing the passer effectively at the end of the game, that speaks volumes because they were on the field a lot, especially with this offense not moving the ball. They were on the field a lot, and they were still able to get pressure. Really liked those individual efforts as well as the individual efforts of Charbarius Ward and Legereus Need, both of them having arguably their best games of the season yeah. at the right time. Both of them having a matchup against some good receivers. These are good weapons that the Green Bay Packers have. Good receivers and Devontae Adams, one of the best in the league, they were able to keep him in check. And it wasn't just Jordan Love missing him or, you know, Devontae Adams just, you know, not really playing particularly well. These Chiefs cornerbacks were all over him really leveraged the boundary well, played well at the catch point. That's not something that Charvarius Ward <laughs> always does. He was good at it this week. It was good to see. That's encouraging. Those four guys playing as well as they did, coupled with some performances in the past couple weeks from like Nick Bolton, Willie Gay. Like There's starting to be a little bit of momentum going with this defense. Isn't that right, Maddie? They're getting there. I, at each week, they're playing a little bit better these last couple weeks. I don't think that you can find too much to complain about on the defensive side of the ball. Like if, you know, I'm sure we're going to get there. So I mean, we might as well just open the can of worms right now. Uh, Dan Sorensen is out there for a lot less snaps now than he was earlier. And it still doesn't matter because as soon as he takes the field, it's just too much. Like <laughs> every team the Chiefs play right now is going to target, find a way to target Dan Sorensen. And you saw it again, the supposed you know, high IQ player, the reason he was playing was because he's smart. He knows the playbook, so on and so forth. All the stuff that we sat here and told you guys why he still plays. This is like the third time this year where he's blatantly been caught out of position. So if you think back to this Alan Lazard touchdown, Dan Sorensen's supposed to be on the outside receiver who is a running back. He's supposed to be on Aaron Jones out wide. Rashad Fenton's pointing it out and Sorensen's just standing there talking to, I believe, Ben Neiman trying to figure out what's going on. He's late to get out there. So Fenton jumps jumps out to get to over the running back. Sorensen's late to pick up the slot. Then he gets beat, then misses the tackle. He's not doing anything but blitzing well right now for the Chiefs on the defensive end. He's becoming a liability. And it's it's unfortunate to have to say it so you know bluntly about a player. It's not that you know he's going out there. He's trying as hard as he can. He really is. Just this year, he's become a liability. And if this defense wants to get to the highest plays it can go, He's got to get off the field. He just has to. You wonder. You wonder what the breaking point is, though, for for a Dan Sorensen. You you wonder what the breaking point is for Steve Spagnolo. Yeah. And you know, there is. Yeah. I don't disagree in any way, shape, or form that you know that he's he's making mistakes that you know he he's not accustomed. We're not accustomed to him making, and probably the defensive staff isn't accustomed to him making. And so, 
at what point do you do you do you throw your hands up and say, okay, well, let's try to mix some things up? But I think where where things get a little bit interesting is I mean, who 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 are you playing there? I I I mean, Armani Watts has not proven to be any being substantive as a safety. Uh I Devin Key or or is Zane Anderson? Do we just need to go get another BYU safety here in the mix? Like <laughs> Like what's the what who 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 is who's taking Dan Sorensen's spot? This position's not insulated. Yeah, I, I mean uh, the easy answer is Armani Watts. That's who I said about three weeks ago when this is really turning. Um, but I mean, like it, it's hard to say because I know the general thing is well, it can't get worse. You know, you can't get worse, and it's. Before, I would have said, well, now, come on. I mean, even in this game, there were two fourth and fives that this Chiefs team faced. One of them, Dan Sorensen got a clean hit on a quarterback and forced an incompletion. The other one, Dan Sorensen almost single-handedly gives up a touchdown. So, I mean, like, it, it's the dichotomy there. I, I do think that Watts is probably the answer. Trey Boston just declared that he was available and ready. I mean, he just kind of broke <laughs> that sounds like a, that sounds des- that sounds desperate. <laughs> yeah, breaking does. Trey it Boston does. confirms himself available to the yeah. rest of the National Football League. I know it, it. It is one of those situations where an agent definitely put it on blast, but you you have to find another option. We we are now nine weeks into the season. I understand giving your veteran player a player that has played well and has bounced back from some poor starts, some poor stretches of play, a guy that Tyron Matthew trusts. Like, let's let's be clear here. Tyron, this is one of Tyron Matthews. Are we, are we sure about that anymore? Well, I've, okay. I've seen the images. Well, It's a player that Tyron Matthew likes. It's a player that he appreciates. That matters too, because there's a it trust does. factor with the 11 guys on the field too. And like, that's part of the dynamic here that we don't really take into consideration very often. We can talk about Steve Spagnuolo all we want. And we know Tyron Matthews has been throwing his hands like, what is Dan Sorensen doing? Like, he's asking himself the same question, probably in not kind terms, at least in his head. Uh, I just I just wonder, you know, if there's dynamics at play, you know, in the secondary, in, in the defensive back room. Are there, are there factors there from a personality standpoint that, you know, there's so much respect, you know, and appreciation, admiration for a guy like Dan with Tyron Matthew? Are you sure. just is, is Tyron wanting to ride or die with his guy? You know, like these are all pieces to the puzzle. Like I don't think the Chiefs, the Chiefs are not going to refuse to acknowledge that Dan Sorensen's been a problem and he's busted plays and he looks slow to react. He looks, I mean, Alan Lazard doing that to him where he went untouched on the sideline with a stop and start. Like Alan Lazard's this long limbed receiver. He's not exactly this quick you know twitchy you know slot receiver he's a long striding receiver and he just stopped and start and dan Sorensen didn't touch him down the sideline well, like I, this I, is i see bad. a couple no i see a couple avenues to fixing this though i, I really do i know there's not a lot but I, th- I actually i do see a couple here one quit playing so much time just stick to your nickel and just replace dan Sorensen with willie gay like if when the goal is, because I mean, you look at what they're doing in dime, Dan Sorensen's not supposed to be on the slot. He's not supposed to be on Alan Lazard. He's supposed to be on the running back in that situation, mm-hmm. or he's playing a curl flat zone, or he's blitzing. You know who can do all of those things, cover a running back, play a shallow zone? Willie Gay can. I'm not saying he's perfect at it. There will be some miscommunication issues. 
but you're already having those. So let him play that role and just keep in the nickel. The second option, if the Chiefs are going to continue to let Charvarius Ward flip-flop sides against big matchups, like so if you're going to have either Ward or Snead on the wide receiver one, no matter what, make Fenton go inside. Make him be your second slot defender when you're going to go into the quote-unquote dime and put Mike Hughes if you have to back outside. He hasn't been good this year, but I don't know if he's been worse than Dan Sorensen. Or, I mean, do the smart thing and play DeAndre Baker. We just know that's not going to happen. Basically, <laughs> that's my actual answer. Put DeAndre Baker outside, you kick Fenton inside. There's the best way to run dime right now. But if you're if you'll have to continue to let Ward follow a receiver across, you don't want to get Baker or Mike Hughes matched up one-on-one with Adams on the outside. You have to let Ward follow him or Sneed take him on the inside. So if you do that, I think you have some other options. I don't think you have to keep playing Sorensen. I do think they have fixes on the roster. You know what's funny? The exact thing that Maddie suggested there with Willie Gay on the field, that's what they did right before the half. Mm. Typical scenario where Steve Spagnuolo does go dime. You know, it's under two minutes. They're protecting the lead. They're just trying not to get beat deep. He actually went with that sort of, it's, it's actually a nickel look because there's two linebackers on the field, but that dime sort of scenario where Ben Neiman was the Mike linebacker and Willie Gay was on the field next to him, replacing Daniel Sorensen in the box. Now, the problem with that, for Steve Spagnolo. Steve Spagnolo likes to rotate Dan Sorensen to that deep half a lot from the box. He does that often enough to where he wants that flexibility. He wants to be able to rotate that guy back there and have Tyron Matthew play the high hole still. It would be very interesting to watch Willie Gay bail to the deep half. I, oh, I'm, I'm not here saying I want to see it. Sign me I'm up. Not. I'm already, I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> Sign me up for this. I'm not saying I want to see it. I just, just once. Okay. Just once. I want to see it. I, I think it would be interesting <laughs> to see, but it is part of the flexibility that Steve Spagnuolo does there, but he did introduce a little bit of that. And he did introduce a little bit of ward following Devonta Adams around too. So he is open to change. We are seeing that and we are seeing Sorensen's role decreased week by week. It's just, I'm, I'm curious if there's going to be a full breaking point where he has to sit down and say, listen, we gave you nine weeks to try and rebound. It, it's time we go. And maybe that's after the bye. I saw someone put a pic. It was an old yeller. <laughs> and it was Dan Sorensen as yeller. Um, I just like just put him to pasture and just lay him, let him down easily. Um, I so okay. So I there's like yeah. I I I think Steve Spagnuolo deserves a lot of credit. And I think, you know, there's been a lot up in flux with this team and, you know, the pass rush has not been there. The pass rush is starting to get, you know, you know, it's just starting to improve. Guys are getting healthy. Um, you saw that she's kind of put themselves in a better situation to kind of get into their bag a little bit, uh, I think, for a large chunk of this game. So that was a really critical piece of this. And Craig, I mean, they, they the, the the blitz package, they, 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 Steve, Steve was in his bag. And it was working, and Ooh. there was a lot of free rushers. There was a lot of pressure, and they were throwing a lot of low percentage throws outside of the numbers to those corners. That's exactly the way that Steve Spagnuolo has won in the past. That's what he's done the mm-hmm. previous few years, especially when he's had that cushion of a two-score lead. I put on Twitter last night that the Chiefs have had a two-score lead. The Chiefs defense has been protecting a two-score lead for 15% of their snaps. Over the past two years with Spagnolo, it's been over 35%. Like, it, it, it's so mm. much 
less. And he just feels so much more comfortable getting into some of these exotic blitzes. Sending seven dudes on multiple snaps in the same series. Now, granted, this is Jordan Love. He obviously struggled to you know check to protections. He obviously struggled with his snap count, as we saw. He struggled with a whole lot of stuff. So it was a difficult, you know, it's kind of a difficult slow going for that offense as it was. But Steve Spagnuolo sped him up by bringing the heat so often. Steve Spagnuolo blitzed 50% of the time. 50%. That's an outrageous number. And Jordan Love only threw for 60 yards against the blitz. That's mm-hmm. that's phenomenal. I mean, that's exactly what you have to do to keep a young quarterback guessing. And that's also what Steve Spagnuolo wants to do. Maybe not to the 50% mark, but maybe closer to that 35% mark. He wants to get up, he wants to bring the heat, and he wants to force those lower percentage throws to the boundary. And we saw how that worked. That's Devontae Adams over there. And some of those were very catchable balls to Devontae Adams and Legereus Need, Charvarius Ward, making plays. I mean, the, the Packers didn't convert a third down until midway through the fourth quarter. Yeah, That's Awesome. That's Steve Spagnolo being in his bag, getting to third down, blitzing like crazy, and forcing perfection. We haven't seen that as much this year because the Chiefs haven't been in that scenario as much this year, and it worked against this you know young quarterback, but still an offense that should have been prepared for that kind of blitzing scheme. And it got funny. Like in the middle of the game, the Chiefs weren't even disguising it anymore. They were making it very (laughs) evident that a bunch of guys were coming. And like, yeah, you still have to parse out who is coming. You still have to adjust the protections based on where guys are. But the Chiefs stopped hiding it and they just started sending guys. And it just, it simply didn't matter. I think that if, you know, you can blame Jordan Love, you can say that it was because, you know, he's a rookie and if you're essentially a rookie and you put a veteran back there, it looks different. And I agree to some extent. But the Chiefs were getting pressure through the protection. Like that offensive line, I maybe Jordan Love was messing up some protection calls or missing some. This is still a good enough offensive line, or they have been this year, that they should be picking up or doing a better job blocking up front mm-hmm. than they did. So if you want to take away something, take away the fact that whether it was the four-man pass rush or if it was the blitzing, the Chiefs were finally getting home at a ridiculous rate in this game. That's good. That's a big play. My only concern, and it was interesting that Packers didn't rely more on this given the situation, the run defense was okay. It wasn't great. It was okay. Mm -hmm. They gave up about five yards per carry. If the Packers really wanted to, it felt like they could have leaned a lot harder on A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones and just forced the Chiefs to play you know, run defense a little bit more often, maybe back off on some of the blitzes. But what the Chiefs' run defense was, it wasn't so bad that they were getting the Packers in second and short over and over and over again. It was just good enough that they were making it out second and medium, second and long, frequently enough to keep blitzing and bringing that kind of pressure. That was something that was surprising to me for sure as well. And I thought that they would have a little bit more early down success. One thing I think you need to give credit to the Chiefs for is I think they did a pretty good job against the screen game. Uh, they sniffed some out and, you know, they they took away some of those, you know, easy, you know, easy completions for Jordan Love with some of that stuff. Um, I, I, you know, I thought they they sniffed a couple out really well and that really, you know, that, that stalled some drives out and, and, and kept them behind the sticks a little bit. So I thought that was a, a valuable piece, too. I thought the Packers were going to be able to do enough to put themselves in more third and manageable well, third and manageable. They were in third and manageables, but Steve, yeah, they were bags was still bringing some heat, but third and shorts. I thought they would be able to get into more third and short kind of situations than they did. And the chiefs just did a good job. I mean, they, 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 they executed well. 
I think it was really, you know, one of the things I think is super important is, you know, they, they did what a lot of teams have been able to do on the chiefs offense is, is limit those explosive plays. And they were able to force long sustained drives from Jordan love Jordan love proved every single drive, except one that he was not up to sustaining a drive into the end zone. Now mm-hmm. they did get the benefit of a couple of missed field goals. Like that was very valid. You know, that was, that was helpful and all that stuff. But I think you gotta be really, you know, you'd be really thrilled with, uh, with what you saw defensively. Craig, is there anything else on defense that you want to touch on before we get, we, we move on? Yeah, just real quick. I just want to say four man rush looked good. I'm curious to see what it looks like against a different quarterback. I definitely felt like the chiefs were timing some of the snap counts. It, it really felt like it, you know, Frank. I, <laughs> it's been a little while since listen, Frank, Frank looks good. Some of those get-offs from Frank were next-level good. So, I mean, and that's fine. That's part of the game. You take advantage of that when it's there. So, I'm curious to see what that looks like against some other quarterbacks. And I also want to talk about the linebacker rotation. Anthony Hitchens, back at the mic. I know a bunch of people did not like that. That pushed Nick Bolton out to the Will linebacker in the base. Willie Gay Jr. kept his spot at the Sam. Willie Gay Jr. was the guy who played the most snap snaps amongst linebackers, and that's because he was playing in the base. He was playing in the nickel next to Nick Bolton on second and longs. He was playing in the nickel next to Anthony Hitchens on second and short, and he was playing in those aforementioned kind of pseudo-dime reps as well. It's very clear that they want that athleticism on the field. So I know people are sad about Bolton not keeping the mic, myself included, but... That being said, they are keeping Willie Gay on the field in those situations. So that's really good. That's a positive thing for this defense. And, and I think that it's going to make it, it definitely made people very mad that Anthony Hitchens took back over the Mike spot. And especially because it did eat significantly into Nick Bolton's snap count. Like I get it. I understand why you're mad. You want to see Nick Bolton be out there because he had played really well in Hitchens' absence. I will say this. The only miscommunication issue that I picked up on was when Anthony Hitchens wasn't in the game. And I'm not saying that they had been bad per se under Nick Bolton when he was playing Mike. I just think you did see the Titans, especially when he was in there, we're going quick. There had been times where it looked like I do think the Chiefs had, didn't feel as comfortable not having Anthony Hitchens out there calling the plays. The big miscommunication was when the Packers went quick on the touchdown, Ben Neiman was on the field. It wasn't Anthony Hitchens. So that's why. That's why he's out there. I'm not justifying it. It's just that is the rationale. And I think Steve Spagnuolo told you that. He smoothed stuff over for everybody is what he said. I <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's just what it's going to be. That's what it is right now. They feel comfortable with Anthony Hitchens. So like if, when you want to ask why, there's the why. Yeah. I And it was interesting. Like, I, avert your ears. Ben Neiman and Nick Bolton wind up having very similar snap counts because Anthony Hitchens was back in the mix. And I mean, I, man, I think Bolton's deserved to be that Mike over, uh, over Hitch, but that there's your explanation. I mean, it's, it's the communication side. And I think it falls everything like same thing with Dan Sorensen. They value communication, consistency, snap to snap. Like if Armani Watts isn't proving that he's going to communicate, he's going to be able to communicate. He's going to see things pre-snap at a rate that is a pleasing and acceptable to a, to, to Steve Spagnuolo, then there's your answer. I have, I have the D the Dorian O'Daniel discussion and discourse on social media is going to drive me up a wall. (laughs) We are in year four 
if if Dave Taub is Tobe is not the special teams coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm not sure Dorian O'Daniel has a job. This is year four. He's on the last year of his rookie deal. If he hasn't shown you anything, uh, if, if he hasn't been able to earn a snap on defense outside of spying Lamar Jackson, I assure you they are not saving him for three snaps in the fourth quarter when they're up two scores on Lamar Jackson. They don't have – they, he's not shown an ability to play the defensive side of the football. They are telling you everything you need to know about him. The snap count tells the story, and he can't see the field on defense. So there's there's clearly disconnects between what we see on Sundays and what happens between Sundays. And yes, some of it needs to be addressed, but there is always a lot more to the story, and the snap count tells that story. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know why I went off there, but it was a very <laughs> because cl- you because you're delaying talking about the offense. Right That's exactly now. right. Can't- Yes. Let, let, let's get to it. <laughs> yes, uh, I absolutely am. Uh, I am I'm stalling out much like the Chiefs offense for most of the game. <laughs> uh, it was really, you know, it was kind of a weird, it was a weird game again, uh, offensively bookended by two really solid drives. Uh, the opening script was phenomenal. The Chiefs went down, took care of business, got a touchdown, uh, and then stalled out for f- 50 minutes of, of football. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was a bizarre performance, but, um, I don't know. There's a lot to unpack there, Maddie. I don't know where you want to start with this. I don't. I don't know where I want to start either. Know, um, weird. Okay. First, first drive of the game. This is what the second or third week in a row that the opening series, the scripted plays, have looked pretty good. But when you watch it back, it comes the same every single time. Defenses come out playing a little bit softer. You don't want to get beat over the top by Andy scripted plays. You don't know when the Chiefs are coming out with a shot play. Yep. You play a little softer. You force the Chiefs to take everything underneath and move the ball down the field. Second week in a row, they've shown they can do that. You're going to give them five straight three-yard hitch routes and let the receiver fall forward for seven to ten yards. They're going to take it all the way down the field when you do that. The issue for the Chiefs' offense seems to come in as soon as that scripted play runs out and defenses tighten up. It seems like defenses just time it. They perfectly start to tighten up their coverage to right when those scripted plays run out. And now all of a sudden, you just look like an offense as a fish out of water. You can't even put it on the offensive line this week. I think the offensive line really played pretty well. I think it's a good Mahomes. front. Mm-hmm. Is it a good front? They were missing Zadarius Smith and I guess Kenny without, Clark. Without Kenny, yeah, with Kenny, Kenny, Clark, when went Kenny out. Clark went out, that changed some things. Yeah. Sure. Is Rashawn yeah. Gary and guys? Like it, it was like a sitcom <laughs> cast. Yeah, with, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but any <laughs> yikes. Anywho, <laughs> so once teams start challenging the Chiefs receivers, it's just like there's nothing there. I thought Mahomes navigated the pocket well. He didn't look flustered or panicked behind the line of scrimmage. I'm not saying he threw the ball great, but he didn't look flustered behind the line of scrimmage. The offensive line gave him time, and it still just looked incredibly bad. And I don't even know where you can start to point to say this is. So like, I guess I'm going to start with the receivers. I, mm-hmm. I really don't think this team has a good wide receiver beyond Tyree Kill. Not even acceptable, not fine, not really good, not wide. No, I don't think there's a good wide receiver on this roster. I, there's not a starting caliber wide receiver on this roster behind Tyree Kill. And I'm going out three deep on these starting wide receivers. These guys are bad. Nobody can get open. You watch this game back. Look at what the Packers dip cornerbacks are doing. They're literally playing half turns because they're not not even half turns. They're playing like leaning on their front foot. They're ready to drive and everything underneath because they know as soon as Pringle or Josh Gordon or 
McCole Hardman take the vertical, they can keep up with them. They're not getting beat by these intermediate or vertical routes from these other guys. I'm not saying they're always open, but they're not getting beat by them either. And no one's afraid of it. You're only afraid of Tyree Kill. You're only afraid of Travis Kelsey. And as soon as you figure that out, it makes playing defense against the Chiefs really darn easy. Yeah. When was the last time you saw a group of cornerbacks play this downhill against the Patrick Mahomes offense? Like it's it, it's not it's it's bizarre to watch. Even it really driving, is. even driving on stuff with Tyreek Hill. Like yeah, Kevin, Kevin King, King on that comeback at the They're sticks. They're begging for a sluggo. Like they really are, and it's not there. It's not, and and so that's the other part of this. Yes, the wide receivers might not be getting open. You may have a wide receiver that's trying to put the ball on the ground every chance he gets. You may have another group of wide receivers that can't catch a cold right now. Design some stuff. Get your guys open. When you recognize that those cornerbacks are driving on it, you've got to adjust your play calling. We see what that first 15 looks like. We saw what the end of the game looks like. You can't go in a dead period like that and not move the ball. The Chiefs offense got an interception, a luxurious need interception deep, deep in the red zone. They were in three plays for negative one yard. That's... You can't do that. This is an offense that was feared a long time ago. It seems like a long time ago. A long time ago. It was feared. If you turned the ball over, they made you pay. If you came up with stops, they made you pay. It didn't happen anymore. It straight up doesn't happen. Patrick Mahomes and company can't seem to get on the same page. The play calling is poor because... They just can't trust anybody, and that goes as well. So it's play call. It's Kent. What else you got, buddy? It's everything right now, honestly. It's everything. It's everything. And I there. I have a lot of thoughts. Like you know, you talk about double moves yeah. and trying to get some of these double moves going and all that stuff. It's like I, I don't really know outside of Tyree Kill a guy that's really going to be able to generate double moves. McCole Hardman can't. Demarcus stop Robinson. Yeah, well, the, the timeout though. Like, okay, yes, you're right. The post corner, yeah. Um, but how many of those are they running right now? And McCole Hardman can't stop and start to save his life. He is what he is. He's a gadget player. Yeah, he's good at running linear and stopping short on verticals when he should be. Like McCole Hardman is a gadget player. We've been yelling it forever, and it's so obnoxious. Like I am sorry. Like rant, rant, rant. Yeah, I, rant, I'm, rant, I'm, I'm Mike. I had to hear so much blind homerism about McCole Hardman this offseason. And I there was no factual evidence to support this, this breakout year because he hasn't developed in any way, shape, or form. There's been zero evidence of him developing in any way, shape, or form from zero to 20 yards as a receiver. Downfield, he is Alex Smith. He is touchdown, check down, down the field, or behind the line of scrimmage. Before this game, I haven't looked at the average depth of target statistics, and I'm sure that deep vertical shot that he gave up on way too soon in the first half of that game is probably going to have it help his average depth of target. But before this week, he was averaging under seven yards per target because the only way that they can get this man involved is on these touch passes, these horizontal plays behind the line of scrimmage. He is their horizontal edge run game. That is what he is. That's about it because they really can't get him involved on any kind of discernible route. He can't be trusted. They throw these little hitch routes to him 
And that's about it. And you know what? I'm not saying he doesn't have value, but he is very obviously not solving the problems that ail this team. He has not taken a step. He has not grown. He's not developed. And there really wasn't a ton of evidence to suggest otherwise. If he had been able to get a little bit more opportunity, like the hope is, okay, he's going he's gonna to bust a few of these more explosive plays. Those explosive plays were so few and far between last year. It's He has regressed from a production standpoint. He needs Tyreek Hill to be out to be productive. He is what he is. And it's been really obnoxious to hear some of the arguments that we had to hear like that that was not an improvement. He he's not made any progress and there's really nothing in his skill set with his vertical plane that is really going to 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 make me feel confident that he's going to take any more steps. There is just simply a lack of fluidity through his frame that makes it incapable of him to run a route tree that is going to help him find areas of success, even finding soft spots in the zone or an adventure because it takes him a long time to turn. He's a linear player. And I'm done. I'm just, I'm so over it because you take all of I, all of the things I just said from a physical perspective, you look at the vast amounts of mental mistakes, the lack of focus, whether it be the ball coming into his frame, whether it be starting his motion too early as it looked like Patrick Mahomes was very clearly upset with him punts. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so over that. So there's the McColl part of that. I just, I, I'm sorry for ranting. Matt literally leaned back and he could have, and he probably enjoyed himself. Hope you finished your beverage. Let me get back on track. I apologize. He's got more. This is not about McColl now. I'm just, I'm just so fed up. And I, I, the things that we had to, I, things I had to hear all summer were just. Well, Craig, did you have a response to, to Kent's McColl? I mean, he's talking about how obnoxious it is. You know what's obnoxious? Not having a McAdoodles in here. That's what's obnoxious. <laughs> Let's go. Let's bring it back to some positivity or negativity as far as I'm concerned, because I have to travel way too far to go to a McAdoodles. Good customer service. Great prices. Everything you could ever want in a liquor store. You got to get one of these closer to me, whether it be here in Wichita, up in Kansas City, which is where it should be. That way you could get your booze before you go out and tailgate or wherever you expect one to be. It should be there. If you're a franchisee, get a hold of Roger. Info at MacDoodles.com. It's obnoxious how far I have to travel for one of these. So get one of them in. All right. That was br- that was brilliant. That was probably my favorite one ever uh, <laughs> from a transition standpoint. And you really brought this show back on track. And you really needed to do that because I was pretty sure I just I forgot where I was. For a you blacked bit. out. It's fine. I did. I, ha- actually, it happens. I was about to give talking points on the Chiefs offense and I just was like, oh, you said McColl. I got to go there because I've just I've been very annoyed. Oh, well, if you need me to take over, I got plenty more on the offense. I, so I've got to play your stuff. I've got your stuff. I got a play calling stat for you. And it's a very fun stat. And I think I've talked. Mm-hmm. I might have tweeted, but I think I tweeted about it today, too. Um, the Josh Gordon drop, one of many, which I want to talk about, too. Not just not Josh Gordon getting multiple drops because you'd have to have more than one target to have uh, more than one drop. But there's a lot of drops on the offensive side of the ball. The Josh Gordon drop on the first play of the third quarter. First play of the second half. That was the last first down pass for the Chiefs the rest of the game. That was the last first down pass attempt. They, th- they turn around and hand the ball nine straight times after that. I don't think I counted the kneels, kneel downs in that scenario. But they went straight. Like, I seriously, like, 
I don't know if it was after that play, they were just like, screw it. Let's stretch. Let's run the clock out. The defense is playing well. We haven't, we keep shooting ourselves in the foot. We can at least make these three and outs a little bit longer. So let's just turn around and hand the football off. But like either the play calling sucks. It was intentional. I don't know, but they averaged 1.87 yards per attempt on those first down runs. There was, and oh, they had a 10 yard run from Daryl Williams that got called back from holding for holding. What'd they do? They just turned around, handed the ball back again for gain of two. So that was at least beating the average there, boys. They also had two seven yard runs on first down. So for the average to the be that start, low, yeah, like, the, the very yeah, first the, two, I believe. Right. So like that average lets you know where it went from there. And I think, I guess this leads into another point. Yes, I agree with everybody else. The Chiefs need to run the football more. They really do. The defenses they are facing, they need to run the football more. They just have to figure out the right way to do it. Because the move is not to bring in, you know, 12 personnel or 22 personnel every single time you want to run the football and have to run from there. The Chiefs are good at running in those, but you they don't want to base their entire offense out of those personnel packages. They want to be in 11 personnel. They have to figure out how to run the ball consistently out of 11 personnel. And the problem is the way they have it set up right now, if that's what you get, if you get 11 personnel, 99% of the time you're getting inside zone, maybe the occasional split zone if you actually have an attached tight end. That's all defensive lines. That's all front sevens have to prepare for. That's why you see such wonky distribution in the amount of yards they gain. I don't think it's the best for their offensive line, but it's so predictable because they want a base out of 11 personnel and they just don't line their tight up, tight end in the right spot to run duo. They don't run duo even when they do. Like they don't do a good job mixing up the run. So yeah, I want to see them run more too. The problem is, as Kent said, after you get a couple of these big runs and teams are keying in that like, oh, when you want to run the football, you're bringing on different personnel packages guess what we're going to do? We're now going to play the run. When you have to tip your hat as hard as the Chiefs do right now, it doesn't work to just say run the ball more. I agree they need to. It's just I don't think they're set up to do so right now. I think that's the issue they're kind of running into and why they're probably not doing it as often as you want them to. And how come one drive looks really good and the next drive they can't get any traction? Yeah. That's that's part of it. And Maddie touched on it a little bit there. They want to base out of 11 personnel. They want to have three wide receivers on the field, regardless of what you think about the wide receivers. They want to have three of them out there. So when they do that, the only guy that can really win off the line of scrimmage is Travis Kelsey, and he's your tight end. And so in order to have some of the variance in the play calling, in order to get away from just running inside zone, or you know, even just split zone when you have an attached tight end. But in order to have some of that variance, you have to attach your tight end more often. And if you're attaching the tight end more often, he's not the guy that's winning off of the line of scrimmage. So it just kind of goes full circle. You want Travis Kelsey out there. So that means you got to have more 12 personnel. Like, I, I really do think you got to have more 12 personnel. I know that that makes you a little less dynamic. I know that Andy Reid doesn't necessarily love playing heavy 12 personnel, but we're at the point now where the Chiefs wide receivers aren't winning enough and aren't winning enough of their matchups and are dropping the ball when they do win their matchups, it behooves them to play a little bit more 12 personnel. Maybe it, maybe lean into the heaviness a little bit. You can still throw out of that. It's not as dynamic. It, it does certainly limit What's some of dynamic? the things. Yeah, and see, that's what I was going to say. It limits some of the things you can do, but they're limited already. So at least get creative, at least be able to run some more gap, 
be able to run a little bit more of the zone stuff effectively with an attached tight end and not have to always rely on Travis Kelsey being that guy. Packers, this past weekend, operated out of 12 personnel a lot. And it didn't look like they weren't trying to go down the field, that they weren't trying to get vertical. There was a lot of attached tight ends, two to the same side with two wide receivers to the other side. You can do a lot of that. There's a lot of stuff that you can still do with that and have an effective run game and an effective passing game. But it means that you got to go away from what the Chiefs want to be doing, what they've been so successful doing the past couple of years in 11 personnel. I'm sorry, guy, but I got to come back in. Craig hit my buzzwords. He hit my buzzwords here at the very beginning of this. So one, I think, yeah, 12 personnel is fine. But at the very beginning of Craig's whole spiel right there, he said the only player the Chiefs have that can win on the line of scrimmage is Travis Kelsey. That's the problem. Here's the issue. Everybody knows the Chiefs like their three-by-one formation. That's where they've been the most deadly over the past three, maybe four four or five years now, is throwing out of the three-by-one formation. Here's the issue right now in the passing game. The only player they can put isolated on the backside of that, the only person that can be the one is Travis Kelsey. Not a single other player. Yeah, occasionally Tyree Kill, but you're still asking him to beat press, and then it's very Mm -hmm. easy to take him away with a little bit of help over the top. They don't like to do that. So it's Travis Kelsey and nobody else. That's the only person that can even be a factor on the backside. Here's the next problem. When it's Travis Kelsey, I I don't want to say it, but I have to. I've thought it over the last two years. Travis Kelsey's lost a step. He's still excellent. He's probably a better route runner now than he ever has been, but he is not Mm -hmm. the same straight line fast that he used to be. You can't split him out wide when you put him isolated one-on-one on the backside. He's not winning outside the numbers in that alignment anymore. So when you move him inside, you condense him a little bit. What does that do? It makes it really darn easy to bracket him with other players. So now you just erased one half of the field. You just erased your best offensive weapon outside of Tyreek Hill from the play entirely out of a double team. Then you look to the three receiver side. You have the two most dangerous guys are going to be in the slot every time. It's going to be Harden and Hill. If one of them's outside, it's a switch release almost guaranteed. But you don't have to worry about the outside receiver. He can't run a route out there. They're so far out. The route tree is very limited. You only have a few routes you can run, and the receiver just simply isn't good enough to win on them. That receiver's taken out. You now have a three-man route concept, two slot receivers and a running back, and the only guy you care to stop is Tyreek Hill because there's no trust in anybody on this offense to beat you. Why would you think as a defense anyone else is going to beat you? Just based out of the formation that they play out of, that they've been good out of for so many years, you can eliminate every single target that they want to go to because they have no wide receiver that can win on either end of the formation. Everything has to be done between the numbers. Every single thing they do has to be between the numbers, and it makes it really easy to double-team the only two guys that can make a play. This team lacks a third weapon. I don't. They don't have to have Odell Beckham Jr. They don't need another all-pro talent, but they need somebody that's good. They need a healthy Sammy Watkins. There was a reason that the offense looked better when Sammy Watkins was healthy. There's a reason that they averaged more points per game when Sammy Watkins played for them because he could be on either end of that field right there and make a play every now and then. Not a single person can right now. That's a problem. That is one of the biggest issues they are running into when they go into three by one, which is how they want to base their pure passing game out of right now. Sorry, Kent. That was my version of Rant Swanson. You're mad. Oh. Maddie Cooking over here. He's cooking. Right, that was, was, I mean, that was probably. I, I'm not I'm not biased at all. That's probably the best two minutes of Chiefs content you're gonna hear all week. So <laughs> that was great. I think you know the the two high stuff, like 
everything you just kind of unpacked there, I think the two too high, you know, the cover two that plays into a lot of that too, because there's natural ability to, to bracket a, 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 a Travis Kelsey to keep the safety over the top disruption at the line of scrimmage. If you can be physical and play that halo technique that they're talking about with the 80 keeps talking about with Travis Kelsey, where they're holding them, all that stuff. Some of those things that you're talking about kind of play in to some of how these teams have been playing. them, And so you combine all these factors together, you know, disrupting the timing of Patrick Mahomes a little bit too. I think all these things play into each other a little bit. And, um, I, I think this gives us a perfect chance to just kind of just talk a little bit about Mahomes before we get out of here, uh, because we do need to get out of here because it's you know kickoff for the There's Sunday no Night Football. Cast. Who cares? That's true. That's again, it's Bears Steelers. Who cares? But oh, God, wait, that's wait. I might need to go check that to get some real offense in. <laughs> oh no, no, no! You Ouch. won't find any there. Justin uh, Fields. I got called. I got called the the biggest Mahomes homer in the world on the KCSN live post game show. I, none of these guys are surprised. No, uh, I think, I think I'm just as bad as Kent when it comes to this. So, um, I, so you, maybe you're not going to be surprised by this. Um, I actually don't think Mahomes was bad. <clears throat> I'm not, I'm not going to say he was good, but I don't think he was, I don't really think he was all that bad. Um, there was Dev and Maddie. I think Maddie succinctly pointed out and put it simply into very simple terms, like a few drops and, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit better effort from some of on some of those verticals. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think if you continue to unpack things a little bit farther too. So yes, I, I, man, the, 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 I rewatched the game last night. The, the nature of those drops that they had yikes. Third down, McColl. I think Travis Kelsey had a, a, a third down drop. Um, some of their more deeper routes and deeper attempts during the day dropped. Uh, McColl gave up on a on a vertical. Tyree Kill looked like he gave up on a vertical. So there's some circumstantial stuff there too. Um, I still think that, like, if we're gonna look at we're gonna look at the Mahomes struggles, the Mahomes issues. There's a lot that we've talked about comfortability in the pocket, um, timidity at times, um, you know, forcing the ball, trying to force the issue, lack of patience. I think some of those things were solved. Some of those things weren't. Uh, I think he did look better in the pocket. I do think that he's getting a little, I do think he's getting a little neutered though. And, you know, we saw him work down very quickly to Daryl Williams in the flat, which every defensive coordinator in the National Football League is going to thank Patrick Mahomes for throwing the ball into the flat to Daryl Williams. But he did get there quicker than normal. Let's be, let's be clear here. I think he got yeah. there too quick a couple times. Hmm. Uh, I want to go back and rewatch. I think he's a little bit too quick to work down now. I think there's just a lot of nature. There's a lot of things broken with him, and I, I want to boil it down. Like, and I none think, of them worked. I want to be quick to say this. Yeah. None of them <laughs> no, worked. None of them worked. Some of them were on third downs. They didn't work. So, like, anybody that was slamming their fist about, hey, the Chiefs need to hit these flats quicker, it didn't work. No. So let's 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 curb that. Let's, let's well, put and, that back away. Daryl Williams is not the guy to do it. And, I mean, Jarek McKinnon, face-to-face with contact, couldn't make anybody miss. Uh, he did r- outrun the defense once along the sidelines on one of those early dumps down to him. So like that was great and everything. But I think um, I, one thing I'm a little, little worried about 
if I'm if I'm being honest. Like I think he's slowly working his way back into some things. But you know, the, there's been a mantra around here in Kansas City between coach and quarterback, and you've heard that thing, you've heard that mantra time and time again over the last four years. It's keep firing. There is there's a little timidity there to 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 fire the football and um i think he's thinking a little bit too much still you know he's never been afraid to to throw the ball and, and throw the ball with conviction and give some guys chances and challenge and i i know like the 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 results have not been there and i think that's i think that's been problematic for whether it's a lack of trust in all of his targets because he doesn't trust these guys and it's very obvious um, but I think he's even scared at times to throw to Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. I'm not talking about that one play that everybody highlighted <laughs> on the Fox four or on, 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 on Fox where he's throwing his hands up in the fourth quarter late. I think there's just been some moments the last couple of weeks, you know, on the, on the front line of the goal line where Travis Kelsey, an area he normally wins in an area Mahomes normally feels confident throwing the football. Mahomes wasn't willing to do that. I think there's just the, the, the keep firing mentality does not feel there at all. It feels like, to Maddie's point, Maddie's been saying it a lot. It feels like it's been coached out of him a little bit. I, I think they, you saw in this game, and I think you saw it a little bit last week too, they're trying to call up a few more purely designed shot plays. I never felt like the Chiefs called up a ton of shot plays for Patrick Mahomes. It was just always – one, that was the offense in 2018. Was The offense was <laughs> shot plays. But then <laughs> even since then, it was just there's always an option for that, and Mahomes liked to work from them back down. Now you see some play actions with some rollouts, and the entire point is to throw the ball deep. You get these plays that are designed almost exclusively to throw the ball downfield. It's almost like they're trying to provide, you know, a little bit of that itch. They're, you know, they're letting him scratch that itch on these shot plays, and they're not working because you, I'm not saying they're poorly designed, but they're just not working still. And so I think that's part of the rhythm issue. I agree. I don't think that Mahomes is throwing confidently throughout it with a consistent nature anymore. I think that he's placing the ball. He's worried when it's going to be a tight window. Like you can actively see him be like, oh, this play might not be a completion. Whereas before he's just slinging it and expecting it to happen. So I do think the offense is trying to adjust to play, to mess with it a little bit. I just don't know if Mahomes' game is play action, one shot play where it's deep, and then check the ball down for the next eight plays before we give you another one. I think you got to let that be an option all the time. That's just that's where I stand on it. Hopefully they start to figure it out a little bit more because I do think the pocket stuff was good. It's just beyond the line of scrimmage seemed like the issue this week. I mean, it, and if you look at. Andy, over the past three years now with Mahomes, do you think that he's satisfied with checking it down, checking it down, checking it down? Yeah, I know that it is similar to offenses that he has run in the past, but my goodness, he can't sit here and watch this, you know, this short effectivity and not want to get out of it, not force defenses to get out of it a little bit. You know, it, they get impatient. It's 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 human nature. They he wants to hit the deep shot. He wants to be explosive. This offense was explosive. Period. Full stop. It was explosive. Now it's not. And so they're trying to find those, hoping that it will alight a spark, hoping that it will start something up, build on that confidence, get those deep shots back in your arsenal again, and they're not there. And so instead, you see an instance like that play that everybody's trying to highlight there with the wide receiver quit running, you see instances where they're still trying to hit those deep shots rather than taking a safer medium 
throwing. Yes, I understand. The offense was not moving the ball, and maybe it was a wiser, quote-unquote, wiser decision to throw it in the middle of the field, advance the ball, get something going. But as far as they're looking at it and as far as they're concerned, they hit on that deep shot. All of a sudden, maybe that opens things up. Maybe they start feeling that again, and they're able to start hitting on them more. Like, they need that spark again, and it's just not there right now. This isn't an apples to apples analogy, but the thing that got Alex Smith fired effectively from the Kansas City Chiefs was timidity, a willingness to throw a ball into the flat. And so what happened, but his final year here, he finally got the message after they drafted Patrick Mahomes and he went out and he started throwing the ball around the yard a little bit more, willing to start challenging down the field, being aggressive. So I do think what Craig is saying is like, I don't think, I don't think Andy's MO is just, let's just be, let's just be, you know, this, you know, short to intermediate passing game. I don't, I, I do think that there, like, yeah, there's West, there's all, it's all West coast principles, but it's, it's, there's an aggressiveness to Andy wanting him to keep firing. That's been the mantra. And he finally got that out of Alex Smith, his final year in Kansas city. So I don't think the MO is just, you know, I, I think where the, the analogy stops short is like teams are just so hell bent on taking away the explosives. And this team has had success against these teams, you know, you know, forced them down the field. A lot of teams did the same thing last year. People forget, like, there was a lot of just, like, forcing the Chiefs to just drive down the field, tighten up in the 20s, hope something bad happens. The good thing for the Chiefs is a lot of bad things didn't happen last year. Mm -hmm. This looks, the timing, the rhythm looks different. And, you know, that's, that's where the struggle is going to be interesting to navigate and observe. I don't think Mahomes was as bad as he's been. I think there was some positive signs. I think he finally saw, and he, he admitted he let some frustration out with that emotion, converting that play on third and 10 to Tyreek Hill to ice this game and not even give the Packers a chance to, 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 to go up against this defense who had done their job for the entirety of the game. So there was, there was some emotion there, and you hope that final drive was something to take away, something to build off, something that gives this team confidence and allows them to take it to the rest of the, the, the league for the second half of the season, Matty. Yeah, that's what you have to hope for. I mean, like we're three weeks deep into, hey, I think the Chiefs offense has figured it out. Hey, I'm going to hang my hat on this play or this drive that they figured it out. So I don't have hope for that right now. I, I just ranted for like two and a half minutes straight about what I think one of the <laughs> fundamental issues is with the passing game, and I don't think that's fixed. I don't think that they all of a sudden solved how you play three by one right now. I don't think they, excuse me, all of a sudden solved how you get Josh Gordon more involved. I don't think they solved how you beat somebody off the line of scrimmage and make your outside wide receivers useful at all, or how not to allow Hill and Kelsey Bracker on the same. I don't think any of that is solved by that play. Maybe Patrick Mahomes can come out and play and throw more confidently, but I think he was doing that to start the year. I really don't didn't see the issue and the confidence of throwing the ball until after the Chargers game. It was kind of, once we got to the Bills game is where I really noticed it. So some bad luck happened. It led to that. So maybe that does help. And the offense to start the year was good. It wasn't the same, but it was still very good. So maybe you can get back to that. Have to see how defenses adjust. It's just, I'm too many weeks into, hey, it's going to be fixed because of X, Y, or Z. I think it's just time to uh, move on beyond show it to me multiple weeks. Don't let me predict it. I think it's time to get to helmet stickers, though, Kent. Oh, a helmet sticker, huh? For you. 
Uh, let's go with uh, give me a helmet sticker for Frank Clark. I think you know, continuing to put good performances together. This man has had a really nice stretch of games. Frank Clark gets my helmet sticker. Butt slap to Orlando Brown. I don't think I said his name once. I think there was one run play where I don't think he did a good job, and that was about it. I thought he blocked well, and I think he did a pretty good job in the run game and the pass game. So Orlando Brown Jr., you know, get a little butt slap out of here. A hearty beer to Tommy Townsend for being <laughs> a weapon. Now, does he have to share that with Chris Lamonts and Marcus Kemp? No, he okay. does not. All right, before we get out of here, I do want to play a quick game. We are at the midpoint in the season. The AFC is a kind log of. jam. I am going to list out the 11 of 16 AFC teams that have a winning record. I need each of you before we get out of here to tell me who are the locks for the playoffs as we stand in the middle here. That's the Titans, the Lock. Ravens, Lock. the Chargers, Lock. the Bills, Lock. Lock. The Raiders, Steelers, Bums, Patriots, keep an eye on them, Chiefs, Browns. Hey, 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 I'm feeling <laughs> we're, we're close there on the Hefes. We're getting close, buddy. Browns, Bengals, Broncos. See, no, you can't I think you run a lot. You can't feel too confident about a lot of these AFC teams and there's most of those teams are five and four or the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they lose tonight, the, Ch the Kansas city chiefs will be in a playoff spot. They're, it is a log jam. So they have to take care of business from here on out. Every game is must win right now because there are so many teams in the AFC that are just all bunched together. You have to separate yourself and give yourself a March for prayer. Do you know what would help with that? Craig? What's that? A hashtag no loss November. We're halfway there, and we will talk about how the Chiefs can get win three in November against the Las Vegas Raiders later this week on the KC Laboratory Game Preview. Thank you so much for uh, watching, listening, wherever you're consuming this. Thanks to M Prize Bank, our partner, Impossible. We'll be back later this week. Catch you later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.